Today, we have a guest with us. I'm gonna let her introduce herself in a moment, but first, I just wanna ask everybody, how y'all feeling? What you enjoying? What you sipping on or, or snacking on? What's up? Oh man, um, it's been a long week, but it is good Friday, so I didn't have to work. So it was an even better Friday for me. Hey. Um, I don't have any any nice drinks tonight, but I did kind of indulge in a little recreational um, snack. And so I'm just ready for it to hit. And so, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever tried any of those type of snacks, but um, once they hit, it's, it's a whole nother level. Yeah, that sounds like another uh, podcast. <laughs> that sounds like a whole other topic. <laughs> Woo, a whole nother topic for a whole nother day. So we'll have to definitely save that. Yeah, I'm over here with the uh, matcha latte. What about you? You know, I'm getting a little, um, some culturally diverse treats here. Okay. Um, eating some samosa, some beef samosas. So wait, wait, wait you got to tell me more. Is this something that you pull out of a box? I mean, you got to put in the right. oven. Like, it's a, I it's have a homemade. Right. <laughs> they are from um, Indian, Pakistani type restaurants. Um, they're very similar to egg rolls, uh, but they're shaped like triangles. And then inside right. you find um, different herbs and beef or chicken, whatever they want to put in them. Uh, but they're kind of spicy and you put them in this dipping sauce and they're just like amazing. Now they do sell frozen ones that you can bring home and, you know, drop in some hot grease and, you know, eat them that way. But they never taste like the ones that are homemade, you know, or the ones that uh, you get from the restaurant. But they are wait, very so, tasty. So wait, you, you're making them homemade? No, we went and picked these up from the restaurant. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we, we kind of cheated tonight, you know, yeah. after working a long day, you know, hey, I was like, I'm not going to have food with this. So we just ran out and grabbed some and brought them in. Because yeah. I was about to say, we need week. you to make, make some for us. I want to try it, but you, you went out and grabbed them. So oh, you yeah, have we to cheated. tell me where you got them next time. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so now that we know what you're picking up tonight to snack on, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and you know what you're doing <laughs> on the call with us today? I'm the mystery snacker. <laughs> no, just kidding. So my name is Letitia Shazad. I'm in the Houston area. I have a, a transportation company. We have 18 wheelers that we're running all over the country. Um, also have a freight brokerage. It is a family owned business. We've been around okay. since 2014 um, and we still kicking, you know, uh, transportation can be a kind of tricky occupation there's a lot of liability ultimate risk but ultimate rewards as well they kind of go hand in hand that's the beauty and the ugly part of the business is the risk and the reward because they're equally weighted um oh, and i'm here to yeah they're equally weighted i mean and we'll mm. talk about that a okay. little bit more because i had some questions that. i was like wait yeah what? yeah <laughs> so, you know, we'll kind of talk about that and, you know, I'm kind of here to talk about my experiences in the in the business world, you know, how I got started with that, you know, some questions that I asked myself before I jumped into it, you know, and I'm here to share what I've learned on my journey so that, you know, you can miss some of the potholes I ran right into and okay. miss some of those brick walls that I banged my head into a few times. Nice, nice. And to mention you are a woman of color. So props for that. Even, you know, it's so hard for people yes. of color to have businesses. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say. I'm motivated already. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. No doubt. Thank you. Thank you. Especially, you know, to be around more than five years because, you know, you always hear that businesses, 
uh, will fail, you know, like 90% of businesses fail within the first five years, you know, so mm-hmm. to be, you know, post five years is definitely a blessing. We don't take any moment for granted um, because we are in such a risky business. We, we definitely don't take that for granted at all. Before we jump fully into the topic about starting your own business, kind of wanted to talk about a couple things that are happening and, you know, in the culture and the news. One of the things that, you know, I've been reading about and was kind of curious about is what's going on with Deshaun Watson. For those of you that don't know, he's the Houston Texans quarterback and he's been getting some accusations thrown out about how he behaves with women who massage him. He's had, I think, 21 different people file a complaint with the same attorney and I think 20 different people saying that, you know, they never had those experiences. And so I wanted to kind of see, you know, what y'all, what y'all think about it, what you think is going on with it, you know, so, do you think it's so true? How many, how many women have came forth and said that he has touched them? And what, what is, tell us more from what I read in the news very briefly, because I kind of think it's a setup because he wants out. And so I feel like he wanted out. And then a couple of weeks later, it was like, hmm, Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson. So I was like, oh, I really didn't pay attention to it. Right. But within the last couple of weeks, I keep hearing about it, like multiple cases. So how many women has it at what's the count at now, Dion? So the last time I checked, it was at 21. And oh wow. I think <laughs> okay. actually I think about 20 of them are with the same attorney. And then one kind of came out on her own, didn't sign with that attorney, but also said that she had the experience. And to me, it's like I think I had the same reaction at first because seeing what was going on with, with him wanting to be traded and then yeah. the Texans saying there's no way we're ever going to trade him. And then all of a sudden, like these type of things come out. It was kind of like Cosby-esque, I guess. I mean, Cosby was, of course, like drugging people. But from what women are saying that he's doing, as far as like some people said that he was like forcing them to perform oral sex on him and, hey. and things like that. Yeah, yeah. You know I what I mean? No. So the article that I read, like I said, it was just a quick... Um, I think he was getting his growing area massage and then the lady kind of turned around or bent down or whatever. And all of a sudden, like his dick was on her forehead. Like, that's what <laughs> I got. And so I was just like, oh, huh. I mean, that, that's a mistake that could potentially happen. Right. I mean, eh. so I kind of like <laughs> let it go. But I didn't know that he was forcing these women to have oral sex with him. I mean, that was just like one of the stories. And other stories are like he would just take the towel off and kind of make suggestive language. Um, But then there were women that said that he hadn't been inappropriate with them and that it's normal for when you're massaging an athlete in his position to like focus on the groin and in that area. And you might occasionally like brush past the penis, but like, so they were saying like, this is kind of a normal thing. And I don't know, I don't know what, um, what these other women experience. So. So, I mean, I I think normal would, I don't know. I feel like we all go and receive services, right? Like whether it's a pedicure, manicure, a facial, a wax, and we see usually the same person. You know what I mean? Right. Like I have one waxer. I'm not going letting everybody wax me, right? Because I, <laughs> I, I know what I'm getting into when I show up, right? So right. I would assume if I'm getting massaged down, I would have one person. I wouldn't have 20, 40 women massage me. I mean, that does sound great now that I'm like thinking about it. Um, <laughs> but I, I think we can kind of think that maybe something's up. 
if you have allowed 40 women to rub you down, what do you guys think? Right. Yeah. That is excessive. I, I mean, I don't want I, that I many people seeing me naked. I mean, right. <laughs> Correct. That part. I mean, clearly Deshaun doesn't mind. And <laughs> but I also think like if you have, you know, you're hitting up people on Instagram, like, how are you vetting these people? Because you don't know like what you're what you're getting into. But he has a but, whole yeah. girlfriend or wife. He's in a True. relationship. Yeah. True, he is in a relationship. So I don't know, yeah. but I mean I, hope I really they don't wear a mask. I hope they all had their mask on. What? Of course not. <laughs> You, did you not know that uh, COVID disappeared in Houston? Especially in oh, Texas. It's gone. Like a miracle. I mean, like we woke miracle. up one day and <laughs> Corona was gone. It left the, the state. The mask mandate was lifted and we are all here now. Yeah. We're COVID free at this point. Well, you didn't know, Dion? I, I didn't get the memo. You know, I've been over here taking my shots. So maybe I didn't need the shots. Man, so yesterday I went ahead and had my second shot and it was a rough night for me. Like I oh, had been real? hearing a lot of people saying like, oh, nothing. My arm was sore. Well, they're lying because I was sick as hell last night. <laughs> like, I mean, I have never tried crack, but I've watched a lot of movies where you see like the crackheads shivering and cold and hot. <laughs> that was me last night. Like my mm. heat was on 75. Then I had to turn the AC on. It Dang. It was a rough night. So you had a rough night. How are you feeling today, though? Is it still bad today or has it cleared up? Uh, I slept until like 12 and then I kind of finally got up and was like, okay, all right, let's let's take on life. Um, So I feel I feel okay now. But Hmm. it was it was a rough night. And I was like, man, if I really had Corona and having to go through this for 14 days or 10 days. Right. Yeah, I don't. uh, It was rough. So. Shout out to all those people who had COVID um, and recovered because it it was definitely not. I don't even know if that was, I mean, I don't feel like I I had COVID last night, but some of the symptoms or whatever the shot did, it was the worst. I mean, I guess that's your body, you know, actually producing the antibodies or whatever. uh, Oh, that's what it is? That's what what I read about. Yeah, that's your body's reaction. So you know that you know the vaccine is actually working but i don't know it's not fun. i think i think it's my body's way of like saying okay this is a little pain we're gonna put you through because we know the streets are open and you about to cut the fuck up so <laughs> let us go ahead you know beat you up on the forehead it's getting you ready getting uh, ready man now that we getting these vaccines you know and the streets are back open are we getting on planes Definitely. I think I'm trying to get on a plane next week. And I know that you're supposed to wait 10 to 14 days before you're fully vaccinated, right? I think it's a, it, I'm not fully vaccinated. But uh, yeah, I'm sorry. You got uh, enough. Yeah, I've had enough. One of my <laughs> friends is uh, going to Jamaica. So I'm going to go crash their party. So we'll oh. see. Oh, Hopefully dang. I don't get stuck there or anything, right? Because I think they still have some kind of like quarantine rules or laws. Okay. Um, but I think in the States, right, if you have your vaccine card, you can walk around free or what are, what are we hearing? Pretty much. That's what I heard. Okay. Okay. So I just need to put it in my pocket and just bow, whip it out. Okay. So, wait, so you're going to um, Jamaica. All right, is it safe there for, you know, gay people? What you mean? Like, it, I always I, heard that, that Jamaica is like hella homophobic. I think everywhere is hella homophobic. Okay. Um, but I'm also going to like a touristy area where money is more important. And I'm also, I'm not going with like a boo or anything. So I'm not going to be 
kissing oh, okay. other people for, <laughs> you know, being overly oh, gay. No. Um, yeah. So I just I don't feel, blend in. I feel like I blend into most spaces pretty well. Um, but I could be wrong, Dion. Are you trying to say that I'm that lesbian that everybody can spot out of a crowd? <laughs> no, I mean, I definitely would not say. I think most people probably would not know unless you told them. No, uh, everybody, so, all so my yeah. friends are like, everybody knows that you're gay. You're a lesbian. I was like, oh, what, what vibe am I giving? Like, on site? Yes, yes. I feel like I'm on site. No, you, I don't, I don't know. I don't think you're on site. I don't know. It's the long hair, man. Yeah. We're going to have to take a survey. We'll, we're going to survey the viewers and see. Because <laughs> I need to know. I need to How know. gay do I look on a scale How of gay one do to I 10? Look? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so are you are you guys gonna go anywhere or am I just gonna be the only person hitting these streets? I'm not going anywhere right now. Okay, okay. Number one, I haven't taken the first vaccine. I'm waiting for everybody else to get shot up and see what happens. And okay. then I'll go. How long are you gonna wait? You gonna give us six months, a year? I'm probably to the end of the year. I'm just laying low and I'm taking notes of who took which one, what yes. the symptoms were. Yeah. Um and That's then right. making a decision on which route I'm going to take. Because I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I just want to take the approach of let's wait and see how yeah, this Yeah, you want to be informed. Yeah. You know, I heard that um, in the news, Johnson & Johnson had an issue at one of their plants and like several million doses of, I guess, another facility that manufactures some of the materials that goes into the vaccine had some kind of issue. So things like that I worry about, like the oh, integrity no. of the ingredients, right, you know? Right, right. Yeah, so, that's, the, yeah. that's the one shot. That's the one everybody wanted. Yeah. One and done. everybody wanted the one and done. Like who wants Y'all think so? No, because isn't it like a 50% effective, right? Like it's all- Oh like yeah, it is lower. Like I need the whole hundred or as close to it as possible. Okay? <laughs> Don't give me no 50, 50 chance. Like give me 98, 96. Yeah. You got to be in the streets. So you definitely need all of the. I need 110. Yes. <laughs> all of it. Man. Yeah. I'm about to um, go to Austin and then I need to go see my cousin graduate. So I'm going to go to Jackson, Mississippi. And then after that, I'll probably look at, you know, going somewhere that's actually a vacation. You know, I'm going to get out a little bit because I really haven't been out of the city in, what, like over a year. Wow. So, she said the city. I ain't left the city. I've been in Houston, just locked down. Oh, man. I hear you. <laughs> I did venture out to Austin a couple of times, but it was very limited interaction with other folks. I mean, it was, you know, in and out. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I've been, of course, I've been out of the city, the state, but we're here. We're here. So let's get to it tonight. I'm excited. Like I said, who wants to take it off? Who wants to give me more? I have so many questions to ask. You know, I was just thinking probably the first time I knew that I liked numbers and I liked order. I was very young and my first little hustle was on the corner selling Literally, not a lemonade stand. I had a Kool-Aid stand because, you know, let's keep it real. You know, <laughs> it was a Kool-Aid stand, you know. So oh, um, trying to sell, you know, Kool-Aid to folks coming through. You know, I was always trying to make some money, you know, always trying to make some money. Um, you know, so that's kind of like. Okay, okay so time out. Stop right there. <laughs> I that yeah. 
what came to mind for me, like you said, like I was always trying to make some money. Like I was always trying to hustle. I did the same thing. Dion, did you have a hustle when you were a kid? My hustle was selling all my clothes um, that my wow. mom would buy. My mom was like really big into like garage sales. So I would just sell all my clothes. And if it didn't sell, I would just take them back up to my room and wear them. And yeah. <laughs> so if if I on a good weekend, if all my clothes sold, I just had to wait to like the start of the school or something to get more clothes. But <laughs> I mean, I definitely had some money. Oh, man. Yep. What was your I business, was, Dion? I did not have a business because I was too busy like trying to be creative. So, you know, uh-huh. drawing and stuff like that. But I found out from my mom that she would take my notebook that I drew like portraits in to work and sell them hoes to people. Like I drew a Whitney <laughs> Houston off the off a jet magazine or something. I don't know. And she took okay. it to work and she was selling them to people. So I guess my mom was, was doing the hustle for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't see the money though, and I didn't really know about it, so I don't know if that counts. But um, but yeah, nah, I was I was definitely more just kind of like dreamer, creative stuff. I was trying yeah. to be a rapper. Um, that was one of my early early goals. I guess you can call oh. it a hustle. I didn't you put was no... trying to be a rapper, <laughs> man. So you you got anything for us tonight? Like you got I... any? That is that is gone, man. My, my mom found my rap notebook when I was like in fifth grade and and threw it away. And so, did, did it have some explicit language in it? Uh, you know, you know, I was trying to, you know, act, <laughs> act up a little bit, um, <laughs> trying to be a gangster, you know, Uh-oh. baby gangster. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> that is hilarious. No, no. Nah, my bad, my bad, my bad. I just I just came up in my head. So tell us more. So so that was the part where I just I knew I didn't know that I wanted to be a business person at that point, but I knew I liked working with numbers and I knew I liked having things in order. And that just kind of followed me through my schooling. I ended up going, you know, to college you know, getting my master's in business and focusing in accounting and, you know, different roles that I worked in throughout the years. You know, I've done everything from being an accounting clerk to a bookkeeper, to an accounting manager, to a controller, to one of my more recent roles, a chief financial officer. All those positions have dealt with numbers, but have they also dealt with money? Oh, yes, definitely, for sure. You know, the numbers were not just analyzing the finances of the organization, but also analyzing matrices for success because everything is data-driven. And so whether a program is successful or not depends on the outcomes, depends on like the percentage of how far you got within that goal. You know, so it's not just about money. It's also about successes of programs Um, in organizations or successes of new products and projects. So the business that uh, my husband and I started back in 2014, I had some other startups prior to that. You know, I had like a virtual bookkeeping service, you know, and I just really enjoyed the work. And I did that for a few years, you know, while I worked a full-time job, I would help folks with bookkeeping services, you know, and it was, you know, a match in heaven. I just loved it because it was (laughs) things that I could do when, you know, my husband came up with this idea of like, hey, I want to invest in transportation. I was like, what? I had to help him develop his business plan so that he could get the capital that he needed in order to get the equipment. So a part of that consisted of me doing my research. Whenever you start a business, you want to make sure that you do your research, make sure you draw out your SWOT analysis, 
And you say, well, what is a SWOT analysis? That's what I was about you... to say. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> What's this terminology? Yeah. Break it down. Yes, let's break that down. S-W-O-T. You got to look at the strengths of the business that you're trying to get into. You're going to look at the weaknesses. You're going to look at what opportunities are out there and what kind of threats are out there, you know, all surrounding that business. That information is so abundant. A simple Google search and you can find out what's going on. What kind of revenue is going on in transportation? You know, because I'm thinking every time I go to the truck stop, what the truck drivers look like and, you know, they're not the, you know, good looking guys yeah, out there, correct, you know, correct. you know, they, some of them look kind of scary. You like, come on now, what's up with this? I mean, is this yeah. what you really want to do? <laughs> you know, so I was very surprised to see that is a trillion dollar industry with a wow. T. With a mm. T, okay? Trillion dollar. So that's definitely what I would look at as an opportunity and a strength. You know, and then some of the weaknesses and threats that I was looking at was getting good drivers, maintaining drivers. Anywhere you go, you see these signs that say, you know, CDL drivers want it. Such a shortage, such a shortage of drivers. And there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, number one is the perception of the job. You know, I was had in my head, this idea of what a truck driver is. And like I said, oh, those are not the most savory looking folks. You know, are you sure this is what you want to get into? So that's their perception that say truck drivers equal, you know, no money. And that is so not true. You know, some of these guys pulling six figures and there's a lot of black and brown men and women now getting in the game. This used to be you know, a good old boy business. And we're just going in and we're shaking things up and disrupting it. And I found that very interesting during my research. If you get in with the right company and you make the right decisions, or if you're starting your own trucking company, making the right decisions, you can have a very lucrative career. And I'm talking about right off the bat, you know, start making money and having a return on your investment almost immediately. You got cars on the road, worving in and out of traffic, people waiting to get hit by an 18-wheeler. So those are some of the, you know, the threats and weaknesses that you kind of look at when you're looking at that business. And you want to use that same thought process in any kind of business you're doing. Like if you're going, you know, you're going to sell a widget, you want to Google widgets and find out who all selling them, what they're selling them for, what is their earning potential, in my area, how many folks are doing that? You just want to make sure that you've done your due diligence and done your research before you even think about a name of a business, before you get to any of that. Look at the industry that you're going into and really do a deep dive and understand this is your livelihood. This is your life. It's going to impact you and your family. And you want to make sure you're doing the right thing. So you mentioned do your research, right? But what about like mentorship? Is that important? Did you kind of want to seek anybody in that field to kind of give you that personal experience or did you just kind of go off of Google? It's funny that you say that. Of course, mentorship is always the way to go. But you've heard of the crab in the bucket mentality, right? So you have to make sure if it's not somebody that you already know that is going to be willing to help you with that information, even though it's enough business for everyone out there, you right. still have to be careful about who you're reaching out to. And a lot of times when you do, people may, you know, come across as seeming rushed or irritated. So my thing has been try to connect with people in the end, but always still do your own research um, just so you know 
that you know that you know. And if you can get some information and wisdom in from somebody who's already been through the game, that's a bonus. Perfect. Perfect. So when you start a business, how do you determine what type of business model you need? Is there like a book or you just wake up and you're like, I Googled it. I'm doing this now. Like, tell us more. (laughs) Yeah. So you want to kind of look at, am I going to be the only person doing this? Like if you have a, a skill, if you're really good and creative and you can build websites and you know, this is something you're going to do by yourself then you know you're going to be a uh what they call a sole proprietor there's a couple of different routes you can go there's one that's called a dba doing business as that's the cheapest one you can get into you go down to harris county clerk 10 bucks you got the assumed name but there's so much risk and exposure to having just a dba because you are personally linked because it is your name doing business as abc company so if there's any lawsuits or you know someone feel like you didn't produce what you needed to do they could come after your personal assets you personally it's not separating the business from the individual okay so you get more protection if you go and form an llc it's a little bit more expensive if you go through some of the big companies like LegalZoom, or there's another company that can file the paperwork for you. I think it's Inc. File is the other one. They range anywhere from three to four hundred dollars. You send them, you know, your information, and um, they will get you everything you need, including an EIN number. And your EIN number is your employer identification number. It's just like your social security number. Okay, and it's a social security number for your business. And that's how you file your taxes. Everything is done through that EIN number. And it's very important to make sure you separate the two. Now, when you have a DBA, you can also get an EIN, but you're still connected as a DBA because it's you as a person doing business as whatever the name of your entity is. So mm-hmm. I guess uh, as as we're talking, I know a lot of the things that I do, I always bring it back to what I identify. You know, I identify as a black woman. So it, does that play a part in this business? Do you ever feel like there are more microaggressions? Is it harder because you are a woman of color or is it easier? Or like, I don't know. Tell, tell us more because I always get excited about race. Um, I just want to know what other people's experiences are. I've experienced both in the transportation industry. You know, early I said it's the good old boys industry and it still is. Nothing has changed, even though more black and brown folks are getting into transportation. When you make those phone calls to get those customers to sign up for you, or if you use a broker to, you know, try to get loads, being a woman calling in, they may say, well, are you sure this is such and such? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm sure <laughs> it's my truck. I know what goes, you know, it's like they're talking to you like you don't know what you're talking about or, you know, it's honey, this sweetie, you know, mm. darling, baby, you know, come on, man, just send me the paper so I can just cash this paper. <laughs> you know, we ain't got time for all this. <laughs> but yeah, you, you do get that. And if you don't have a tough skin, you're not going to be able to make it. You just have to push past it. There's no, um, you know, HR form to fill out. I mean, that's just the kind of, you you just have to keep it, deal with it and roll. You know, just think at the end of the day, you know, this is somebody I'm dealing with for five minutes. They have the contract that I want to get. 
keep it to, you know, stick to the facts, sir. Send it to me. This is my email address and keep it moving. You know, that's what it's about at the end of the day. You know, it's yeah. your company, it's your brand. And even if you feel like the customer on the other end, you know, is not to your liking or whatever, it, at the end of the day, it's still a customer. Um, and if it's like really out of line, then the good thing about having your own business is you can choose not to do business with someone. That is true. You know, so that that's that's definitely the plus to it. I want to go back to the uh, the question earlier. I didn't go on to tell you about what if it's just you more than you in the business. If you want to form with two or more people, um, you want to do uh, an LLC. That's fine. You can have more. You can have a single member LLC or multiple member LLC. Those are the most common. Then there's other. You know, there's LLPs. There are corporations incorporated. There's you know more complex. Um, things you can do. But for most folks and the purpose of, you know, kind of what I'm going over today is kind of what do I need to start? You know, I'm kind of like a startup. It's just me or it's me and one or two partners. The LLC is the way to go. So how do you go from like LLC to corporation then? Yeah. So if you want to do that and the difference between that is how you file your taxes. Okay. So if I'm a LLC, I can, if I'm a single member, single member LLC, I will file my regular 1040, okay? My 1040 tax return. It's just that you're gonna use what they call a Schedule C to report your earnings from your company and file it all on one return. Where if you do a corporation, then you file a separate tax return um, as a separate entity from you as an individual. Now, let's say you have a partner and you have an LLC, the business is going to get money coming in money going out. And then at the end of the year, you're going to look at what the business has as far as what the what the company made. Then each member is responsible for 50% of the tax implication. Each member will receive a separate K-1 for their portion of the revenues, along with an accounting of how it's done. And they take their K-1 and they file it on their 1040. The okay. business itself, they just have to let the IRS know I sent K-1s to these two members. So make sure when you look at their 1040 right. that they didn't omit this because if they did, they lied because they got to pay taxes on it. So right. that's kind of what that is. It's like a check and balance. Okay. They like covering themselves because it's like, oh yeah, I gave them the money. You need to go get the money from them and not from me. <laughs> so I guess that kind of brings me to the next question that kind of popped into mind. What are some best practices for financing um, your business and keeping your records clean? Because it sounds like it's a headache. It really is. The first thing you want to do, once you've gone part, past the part of, I want to start a business, I know I'm going to do an LLC. I've done my research. Now, you know, and I had some money saved and I'm going to start investing in my business or I use my, um, my business plan. I took it to my family. They helped me finance it. Or if you took that business plan to the bank and they financed it. Once all that is done, you want to make sure that you open up a bank account in your company's name. You, you make sure you do that because you definitely do not want to commingle your personal money with your business money. Because at the end of the day, when you when it's time to start, you know, getting receipts together and everything for you know filing your tax return, you forget what you did throughout the course of a year. Believe it or yeah. not, you are not going to remember every transaction. Be like, oh, okay, so I went to Walmart, but I think I bought something for the business yeah. at that time. Well, Walmart is a store you can buy personal stuff from too. 
So that's why you want to keep it separate, you know, for sure, so that you can easily identify what is a business expense versus what is a personal expense um, and just keep the two separate because you never want to mix those things up. And you want to get an easy to use accounting software. Probably the easiest one that's most intuitive is QuickBooks. Most people use QuickBooks. Now, there's others out there. Here's like one called FreshBooks, and I'm definitely not getting paid by QuickBooks. I'm not advocating <laughs> to use them. I mean, if you can keep it straight on the Excel spreadsheet, you can do that too. But QuickBooks is kind of like the go-to. It's very intuitive, very user-friendly. You do not have to be an accountant or bookkeeper to know how to understand it. Uh, that's how easy it is. Initially, you may, if you can, if you think you have the funding, you might want to get you a, a CPA, um, not necessarily to do your books, but someone that can you can call and they can guide you on certain transactions that may come up if you have questions on how they should be handled. And definitely I would employ an accountant to handle your tax return if it's something that you personally don't feel comfortable with doing other than like going to your local H&R block. You know, nothing against H&R Block or these, you know, little Jackson Hewitts that pop up, you know, in January to help folks out. Um, you want somebody that knows you, knows your business. And you'd be surprised. Most CPAs and accountants, when you're a small company, they have like a little package deal. And they say, hey, you know, you get so many, so many hours will help you with basic questions you may have about your business. They get to understand you and your business and then they file your return. You know, and you can fi usually find that very reasonably. But, you know, if the resources are tight, which they usually are in the beginning when you first start a business, some of these things are very intuitive. And, you know, TurboTax is getting to the point of where they have live agents now. You know, you can just request mm -hmm. to have a CPA help you on the spot if you're stuck on something, you know. So there's always different avenues to help, you know, help you get through whatever you're going through in the way that, Everything is set up today being virtual is just so many different avenues that you can take. It's not like a must take this path. You take what works for you and what you can afford. So how do you know when you need to shift your business model with the economy, right? Like right now we're kind of in a pandemic and I know that the truck business is thriving and doing great. But what if something came up? Maybe something better or something worse? How do you know how to navigate or or do you even need to navigate? Well, you know what? You should always be thinking about shifting your model. If you're not thinking about it, then you're not passionate about it because it's always changing. You should always be thinking of ideas and thinking ahead. And what I mean by that is like, for example, the trucking industry. I told my husband, I said, we probably need to be thinking about an exit strategy within a certain number of years because Believe it or not, trucking is a young person's game. I don't want to be 60 something years old, try to, you know, be brokering some trucks and, you know, keep it up with truck drive. You know, that's just not something I want to do at that time. So we're thinking and refocusing our lives and the way we approach and do things. We're thinking about an exit strategy, especially if it's something that, you know, if your kids have other interests, they're really not interested in the business. That is something you should always be thinking about. And also things that are, are happening. You know, you always want to look at the way you're doing things and see how you can streamline them, how you can make them better, 
or you know how you can expand your reach always you know trying to connect with folks in the industry that you meet along the way because you never know even though it's a trillion dollar industry the industry that you know we're specifically talking about um the logistics business mm-hmm. any business whenever you meet people that kind of do what you do if you know they're they are open you know to staying in contact you know you you just want to do that and just kind of see how they're doing things from time to time and share information, you know, if they're, you know, open to doing that and see how you can improve yourself. You always want to kind of think about the next step because we live in a global economy. Somebody else is ready to do what you're doing for half the price, a quarter of the price, you know, whatever. So you have to think of things that you can do to give that value added service so that you can maintain what you have and attract new clients. Okay. So when do when do you know you mentioned an exit plan like hey, we're going to give it 10, 5, whatever. We're going we put a time on it. But what if you're in a business and it's just not thriving? When do you know like man, let's just jump ship and do something else? Do you still create an exit plan or do you just like close out tomorrow? Well, you know, the way I look at it, when you don't enjoy the work anymore, you're not giving it your all then that's kind of a sign you need to start winding it down. If it's not what you're thinking about all the time or you have other competing interests that are just taking your your mind off the game, then you know if you don't have someone to maintain that that you can trust, um, it's time to wind it down. And I, I use a perfect example. 2018, 2019, I was really hardcore, you know, working with my husband in the trucking industry. I would be his bookkeeper on the weekends, you know, but I still kept my nine to five. You know, it went that way for about four years. And then 2018, he just started getting more trucks on and then people signing on under his authority, people wanting him to, you know, dispatch. So it got really overwhelming. I stepped back from my nine to five to get into the business to help him with it. It was really exciting. You know, the first year we expanded and added a brokerage to the carrier portion, which the brokerage is. Um, the part where we go out, we gain customers, and then we have control of the loads, and then we're the one handing them out to other drivers across the country, you know, and that really took the business to another level. But something that was just like, something's amiss, you know, I'm smiling now because, you know, I found out what that was, you know, I really missed working with my numbers, even though I was doing it, you know, in the trucking industry, it was different from what I've been doing before. You know, I've always in my nine to five kind of worked in like nonprofit sector, working on causes that were greater than I am, causes that could bring an impact. Even though I wasn't on the programmatic side, I felt like being in finance and supporting folks who are out there doing the grassroots stuff, (laughs) you know, doing the advocacy and policy changes is where I wanted to be. So I had a friend hit me up on the phone. I think um, her name is D. It was like, hey, you know what? I got this new app, you know? So, ah, man, my eyes just lit up, my ears perked up. We got together, started kicking around some ideas and we had, you know, a full, full-fledged passion project turned new business called Next Level Justice. And this is a form where we're able to work with uh, organizations that we feel very passionate about the work that they're doing, that we actually want to help them, you know, and it's kind of like what we do with those companies is we come up with a communications plan, help them with their social media, websites, operations, you know, that's when I get to throw my hat in the ring and offer those types of assistance. And, you know, that's kind of what we do. So it's like the business 
he got the infrastructure he needed to be able to sustain. I'm able to step away and do the things that I need to yet still be able to reap the benefits, you know? So, um, and, and at this point, you know, that's, that's when, you know, it's time to, to step back. So, but I was fortunate in the fact I didn't have to close down the doors to go to my passion because we had a succession plan in place. You know, you do it in stages because if you don't plan then, and it just happens, it may not end up the way you want it to. So planning is key. And I will say the other thing you want to think about when it's time to jump ship is if you find yourself pouring your own personal funds into your company and not really seeing any day of light coming out, it's definitely time to pull the plug. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not just saying, you know, sometimes there's a timing issue with money where you may say, hey, I got these receivables, but I know this check is coming from this company in a couple of weeks. I'm going to be wrapping up this project. And then you say, well, I'm going to take some of my personal money to kind of float it. That's fine. But if you find that you're continuously having to do that, the first thing I would say, you know, if you have a line of credit, those can also help you out. But if you find yourself maxing it out all the time and, you know, just being really stressed, then you probably need to make a pivot and do something different because it should not feel that stressed and that hard to make something work. And you definitely don't want to jeopardize your livelihood to the fullest down to where, you know, you basically have nothing and jeopardize your family. So you always want to be mindful of how much is this impacting me personally, separate aside from the business. And, you know, you have some folks say, oh, well, I'm just going to go down with the ship. Why in the world would you do that? I mean, (laughs) you can't go down with the ship. I understand it's your baby and everything, you know, but just put a pause on it depending on what kind of shape you're in, you may find somebody that will want to acquire that from you. Maybe there's still some value that you can sell to a competitor and they can take that, you know, give you something for it and you can use that seed money to do your next project. So I got a, I, one of the, the most important questions I always ask people is you got a lot going on. I mean, you got two, two businesses, you are a wife, you have kids. What do you do to take care of yourself? Break down your self care regimen for me. Let me know so I can ask you too. <laughs> you know what? I will have to be fully honest and transparent and candid on this. I'm probably not doing all the best things I should be doing, but I do make sure on my phone I have this little sleep timer that pops up at 10 o'clock. And I do ignore it most nights, but it pops up, you know, so <laughs> it's telling me. <laughs> It's telling me, slow down, you need to relax. You know, so I do take, you know, before I, I hit the sack for the night, I like to take like the, the room that I'm in right now doing this interview, I call it my diva room. And Dia laugh at me because Dia remembers when this room was in the making. It's all pink. Everything in here is pink. This is my space, right? Nobody comes in here. I just relax. I can come in here and it's like 15 to 20 minutes that I just have for myself. So that I can just, you know, the whole day just flashes away, you know, and then I can feel like, okay, go get some sleep and get up and start and do the whole thing again in the morning. Now, I know 15 or 20 minutes is not enough time to decompress an entire 24 hour day. It's a time that I can just really self-reflect. And I use that time just for thinking and planning for my next day. 
I, you know, I'm like a, a highly driven person as far as, you know, having a lot of energy and I, I like being busy. You know, that's, I've always been that way, a busybody. Maybe one day it's going to crash and burn, but in all these years, <laughs> it hadn't happened yet. So we'll yet. see. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we got to try to cut out some more time for you just to, just to kind of take some time for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> this is <laughs> true. It's funny at the top of the uh, the show you talked about okay who's gonna go on a trip so right before COVID hit I've never been on a cruise and so uh, last Christmas not 2020 but 2019 Christmas uh, my Christmas gift to my daughter was we were gonna go on a cruise in July of 2020 so and it was gonna be a whole week we were gonna do the three the three um, was I think it's Honduras. Uh, Belize and one other country, one other city in Mexico, we were going to go to. We had all our, you know, our little, um, with the excursions all mapped out what we were going to do. Man, mm. we were so pumped. So I'm looking forward to the end of the year after seeing how everything goes with these COVID shots, mm -hmm. getting mine and jumping on somebody's boat going somewhere. So Ooh. I will get it in. Right. I have never been on a cruise either, so yeah, you will have to let us know. I don't think I could do a cruise. You know, I feel like trapped. I mean, you, you of <laughs> course, are not, right? But you do have hours where you're trapped on a boat, and I can't oh, yeah. swim. So that's oh, a lot of water. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of water in the middle of nowhere. So, yeah, no, I can't do it. <laughs> you got to tell me how it goes. You never been on a cruise either? No, nah, I've never been on a cruise. So, all right. I, you know, I'm I'm kind of scared too. <laughs> I see how the how the worst, but I guess that's probably you know rare that something actually happens. But no, I yeah. think we always see on the news that something's happening, right? And I'm not I'm not trying to. <laughs> yeah, we're not trying to scare you off. <laughs> we're not trying to scare you. But I, you know, I can say the same thing about flying. I mean, you mm -hmm. flying up that high a yeah. lot of times over water, depending on where you're going. True, right. you know. This true. is true. I just close my eyes and hope for the best. I feel Man. like if I was on the ship, it's just <laughs> all the rocking and moving. Nah. Yeah, with the yeah. flight, you just kind of let go of life for that for that hour and a half, uh, <laughs> you know, two hours, whatever. And well, then, you, you know, know <laughs> we've been on a flight together before. Remember when we went to Arizona? I was scared. I don't know if you remember or not. Remember oh, that's been a minute. Yeah. That's been a minute. I remember going to Arizona. I don't remember the flight, but uh, you were scared? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, we got to we got to do some more some more trips and whatnot. I want to go ahead and say thank you so much. This is so much good information, and you know, me being one of your business partners is just like so cool because you know I'm the creative. I don't know about any of this stuff. You know, me I would either. have to I would be googling like you were saying, but I wouldn't be getting no answers. Like it wouldn't <laughs> make sense to me. So um, so yeah, like it's so valuable, and I'm glad that you were able to kind of share that with folks. We do appreciate no you. Problem, you my pleasure. Broke it down in simple terms um, and gave me some insight and made me think in ways that I just never considered. Because, hey, I've never considered owning or being a part of a business, but you definitely dropped some gems for me to think about. So you think about right. starting one now, G? I mean, I might. You just never know. I'm always looking for something. You know, I wake up tomorrow, I might be like, hey, I want to do this. But then by Friday, after I've done my research, I might be like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, join us next time. Follow us on Instagram and stay posted because we'll be dropping a new episode, you know, before you know it. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Peace.